Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Certainly not the outcome anyone wanted and definitely not the performance anyone expected. So what happened? Great question. There are a lot of questions and right now very few answers. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 528, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Right off the top here, MJ, this is not a good morning. For one, a quick turnaround on the air until about 11.30 with Cardinal Talk. A shout-out to all the fans who stayed up with us last night. And then right back to work first thing Tuesday. Of course, what we all witnessed for 60 minutes in Los Angeles plays a factor in all of this. In other words, I've been better, to be honest. One word comes to mind for me. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed because they talk about getting in the postseason. And I, I, even if you lose 31-27, it comes down to a fourth quarter game. I mean, they are a good team. But that was embarrassing last night. It was not competitive, which is something you never want to say. In fact, Kyler Murray said it for us postgame. That was not a competitive ballgame. 34-11, the Cardinals' first postseason appearance in six years. Waited a long time for that. Fans have waited a long time for that moment. And that's what we got. So I could even go stronger than disappointing. But I totally understand your word to describe the end of that game, end of the entire season. It just seems like, in, in you know, when you look at this, uh, the roster going into the season, I definitely think they upgraded. Uh, I thought they brought in more physicality and leadership. And you get off to a 7-0 and start, and the expectations start to get ratcheted up, and then you're 10-2. and I mean, this team regressed in the second half of the season. Kyler Murray regressed in the second half of the season. And that is a bad loss on national TV because all year Cardinals aren't getting enough respect. Well, I think everyone was waiting for the other shoe to drop. And this team does not play well on primetime. Well, there's Kyler – and I'm not blaming Kyler Murray for everything. There were only a couple guys last night that really – you know, I th- I thought they played okay, but when you lose like that, it's hard to single somebody out. But I'll give James Conner a ton of credit. He was playing injured, and then we'll get into Buda Baker because I think it's important to talk about him. Yeah, before we go any further in what we saw, what we didn't see for four quarters at SoFi Stadium, and updates on Buda Baker, and I didn't catch this until I got home, but Buda Baker tweeted at 12.15 a.m. Tuesday morning, Thank you all for the prayers. I am doing good. And then he added praying hands emoji. There was a violent collision between him and Cam Akers. We saw it earlier this season. We've seen it a couple of times. Trey Lance, Isaiah Simmons, Tanner Vallejo, and then, of course, Jonathan Ward against the Green Bay Packers. You never like to see it. And even on initial viewing, and then you see the replay, and it – I understand why television does replays, but both players 
lowering their head, almost helmet-to-helmet contact. In fact, it might have even been direct hits. And Baker on contact stops moving. And you're you're, you're stunned, and all of a sudden nothing else matters. Doesn't matter what the Cardinals did. Doesn't matter what the Rams did. Doesn't matter anything else. Now all of a sudden your main focus on the safety and the health and the future, uh, Buda Baker, who we all love. We've come to admire his game. He is someone that this organization has built around as far as on the defensive side. And it was very, very scary. But good thing, good news is that from his own words or his own social media account, Buda Baker is doing well. Yeah, when that happened, I mean, all of a sudden he, he just he went down. And, you know, clearly the players are going over there and, you know, obviously the the trainers are out there and the medical staff and then eventually you see the cart come out and then you see him start to move his legs and his his arms and you're just a sign of relief but that was scary Craig I um, I know it's a physical sport I I just wonder if they both were trying to go down uh, with their pad level and because of their size that's where the collision became I believe they were trying to hit with their shoulder but when you're running that fast and it's like a hit seeking missile there's going to be a collision but uh, I was just I, I, I prayed because I thought man uh, this could be a lot worse than it I mean just based on initial you know seeing in real life uh, you know looking at it on, I guess on TV um, but when he was on that card I was like okay I mean I don't know that I didn't know anything else and I thought Mark Dalton from the Cardinals kept giving us a great update based on the medical staff he was stretchered off the field, taken to an area hospital. Yes. Suffered a concussion, but the good news was he was alert, he was communicating, had movement in all his extremities, and again, according to Budabaker himself, he's doing well. And that's all we care about right now is his health and him moving forward. And you wonder now, and he'll get asked this question whenever he addresses the media next, it's okay that's how you play the game. If you play that game that way, and it is the right way, I mean, he is a heat-seeking missile, to use your terminology, because he comes out of nowhere and flies to the football. That's going to happen. And you wonder why it hasn't happened more often with the way Buda Baker plays, but he's going to get asked, Do he, does he think he needs to change how he plays the game? And I'm going to say no. That's going to be his answer. No, because that's who he is as a player. Although I say this, he has a he has a child now, so that might come into a, uh, be a factor in this as well. It's not just Buda Baker. He, he has a family also to think about. Yeah, you know, we, we can go back and look at how many uh, snaps he played this year. I just think that was, you know, that was, that was a, a solo situation. I mean – I'm with you um, because he, that's the way he plays the game. That's why he's an all-pro. I mean, the way he hits, and he packs a punch when he hits you. And he's done that since high school. That's the way – that's who he is as a football player. Yeah, and, and that's being mentally tough, maturity, and physically tough. I'm just glad he's okay. The other side of this is Cam Akers. And I know it did not look good initially – and one, surprised he wasn't called for taunting. But here's, let me, before I go further, here's what Cam Akers had to tweet. 
immediately after the game. Praise up to Buddha. Praying hands emoji. I didn't know he was hurt after the play, but I have nothing but respect for him. End of tweet. Now I'll say this. The two have the same agent, so they might know one another or at least have an idea of each other. It did not look good initially when the player is on the ground and the ball carrier stands up and motions, hey, stay down. One, that's the initial emotion of a big play, a big hit, but there is no way and no one can convince me otherwise, MJ, that Cam Akers knew the severity and what Buda Baker was dealing with at that moment. Yeah, they do share the same agent, and the agent tweeted family ties. So, yeah, I don't know why he wasn't called for taunting. Because he looked down, he stared down, and motioned with his hands. And maybe the focus was on the player. Yeah. Which, to me, is a smart thing to do. But he's jawing at the bench. And I think just, again. And then, listen, and then you got, you know, listen, this they didn't lose because of this stuff. And then you got Aaron Donald trying to choke DJ Humphreys. Now, Humphreys was able to move his neck back, and the way the pad level was, he wasn't able to put his hands on there. What about this Rams team over the years? I mean, they've hurt a lot of our players. Go back to Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton, when the team was in St. Louis, and then now since they've been in Los Angeles with Sean McVay, it's been on the scoreboard as well. I mean, two shutouts. It was almost a shutout outside of the James Conner touchdown in the third quarter, but it was ugly in a word on Monday Night Football. The other area, and it got lost in the outcome, but what J.J. Watt was able to do, it was a storyline all week long. We followed it. He gets designated to return, means he can practice. He's on the practice field Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He finally gets activated. All right, now the next step is you got to be active as far as 90 minutes before kickoff, and then we see him warm up, and then we see him on the football plea on the football field did not start the ball game in fact he only played 24 out of a possible 60 defensive snaps 40 percent of the defensive snaps J.J. Watt was on the field a season low without question in fact I went back and the fewest snaps he's played in a game since 2017 he got hurt in that outcome so that's why there were few snaps but not surprised by the number uh, and I'm not surprised by the effectiveness but 24 snaps, I think, is what kind of that ballpark range we were discussing, you know, 15, 20, 25 snaps, depending on the flow of the game, I think was also going to be a factor. And when that game got out of hand, no need to put J.J. Watt on the football field in the fourth quarter. I think he had played nine snaps in the first half. So, obviously, a lot of those snaps were in the second half. Makes sense, though. They were trying to run the football. He, You know, obviously, he can rush the pack. Uh, the quarterback but yeah a remarkable story and it's unfortunate that you know um, and he was very honest and you want to talk about leadership um, this, the guy's been here a year and and that's going to be the the, uh, the tagline all offseason massive failure unquote J.J. Watt was quick to point out his thoughts on how this season can be viewed based on how they started seven and oh ten and two and how they finished one and five and eleven and six overall what it's kind of difficult as we watch the game from the studio as far as just how effective jj watt was and then 
you don't get the feeling as far as, all right, what kind of an emotional lift did he give on the sideline? You don't get that when you're watching the game from the studio. Three tackles, one tackle for loss. That was a TFL late in the third quarter. He dropped Akers behind the line of scrimmage on a third and one play before Matt Gay kicked a field goal to make it 31-8. to But he did occupy the Rams' offense's attention to allow some other players to make some plays, especially early on in that first quarter. And that was exactly what we thought, just having the presence on the field. And I, I mentioned he's not the savior. Um, he's probably going to be on a snap count. And, you know, I thought maybe 25, 30, to be honest. Um, and, and then it's based on, you know, in the fourth quarter, if the game's on the line, I would think he would have been on the field if they had to make a stop. That's who he is. It's just not, not, not enough plays, though. And, and maybe the defense is, is getting off the hook here a little bit today. Um, but, but I'll say this. Over this um, tailspin, head scratcher, I put the blame on the offense. It's where I think a lot of people focus on just because the nature of the head coach and the quarterback that this team is going to war with, if you will. Um, Offensive-minded head coach and a quarterback who is very dynamic with his arm and with his legs. And you thought you had something, and maybe you still do. I know there's a lot of questions. I have those same questions as well on whether this is something that can be long-term. But you look at where this team started to where they ended. That, to use your point at the beginning of this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, disappointing. You can go even further. Um, embarrassing was a, was a word used last night by Christian Kirk. Massive failure in the words of J.J. Watt. And now the questions that everyone has, and there are not a lot of answers at this moment, and there shouldn't be. I mean, this is going to take a while, especially for me personally. I don't know about you, but this is going to take a while to kind of get through and then kind of look back and say, all right, what exactly was accomplished in 2021? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, usually after every season, uh, they do a self-evaluation. Um, and, you know, obviously Michael Bidwell, Steve Keim, Adrian Wilson, and Cliff Kingsbury are going to have to have these conversations. Greg, I guess the question is, and we can do this down the road, uh, we'll focus on what happened last night and we'll get into Kyler, but I just wonder if this offense is sustainable for an entire season. It shows flashes. Kyler Murray was in the MVP conversation. Um, this team, uh, the offensive line was able to run the football. Defensively, yes, they gave up some uh, – they got gashed a few times, but they were forcing turnovers. This team played well on the road except for the Lions and Rams game. But it just seems like – after October, 7-19, and 19, the Cardinals are under Cliff Kingsbury. And it's happened over the last couple of years. It just gets bogged down, and teams defend them differently. And I think it started last year with Brian Flores and then Bill Belichick. And there was kind of that mush rush. We're going to rush, try to keep him in the pocket. Now, we know Kyler's definitely improved from making uh, throws in the pocket. But uh, the fact is that – Last night was he made a lot of mental errors. That was probably his worst game in his entire life. Well, I don't think there's any question about that. You look at the final numbers from the regular season as far as this offense is concerned. Top 10 as far as rushing yards, top 10 passing yards per game, 11th in scoring. So those numbers look good on the surface, but those aren't the numbers that we had in the first 
eight, ten weeks of the regular season. This team, when they were 7-0 and and 10-2, and they were in the top five in every single category across the board, offense and defense. And now they're towing the line of 10, 11th, and some of the categories they will definitely drop to the teens. And you're looking at now average to being elite to now average and the drop-off. Why is that drop-off? And now why is it a drop-off in consecutive seasons? What's happened for this Cardinals team offensively and defensively? And there'll be plenty of time to dissect that, but we want to put our attention and focus on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. On this wild card matchup, Cardinals lose to the Rams 34-11. to It got out of hand in a hurry. But I went back to our Friday show and Mike Jarecki's three keys to victory. One, balance on offense. That did not happen. Two, make Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. Again, that did not happen. Number three, contain the Rams' pass rush. Eh, it was – okay, it didn't happen. None of the three keys from Friday's show happened for the Arizona Cardinals. And, and – the balance on offense is one I really want to dive into, but first let's look at what Matthew Stafford was able to do. Sacked on his very first drop back by Marcus Golden. Then again, not the rest of the ball game. Only attempted 17 passes, nine in the first half, eight in the second half. How do you put up 34 points when your quarterback only attempts 17 passes? Well, he had time to throw. When they when they came out and ran that ball in the first play of the game, I mean, all of a sudden, and then you know the Cardinals were trying to you know stop the run, but he was seven for eight for 135 yards on throws between the numbers, so he was able to have a clean pocket and make these throws, and then his only completion on the pass between the numbers was a drop pass. So the whole idea was, and give him credit. He had more pressure going into this weekend than any other quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you can talk about Dak Prescott and, and you know Josh Allen, but Josh Allen proved the doubters wrong. Like, can he do it again? He 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 played well and he deserves the credit and they're moving on to the playoffs, but that was the reason why they went out there. Now, Jerichoff took him to the Super Bowl. They think Stafford can win a Super Bowl with them. And it was one of the biggest signings in the offseason. And I think everyone was wondering all right, let's just wait to the postseason. So give him credit. He had more pressure on anybody in that building last night to perform at a high level, and he did it. The offensive line did its job. There were three quarterback hits total in that game by the Arizona Cardinals defense, and we talked a lot about Matthew Stafford. If you make him uncomfortable, you don't have to sack him, but if you hit him, you put pressure on him, he's going to cough up the football with an interception. He had... No turnovers on Monday Night Football. The last game in which he did not throw a pick, week 14 against the Arizona Cardinals. And what was the uh, the narrative last week? He's thrown eight interceptions in the last three games. Yeah, the offensive line, uh, they bounced back uh, compared to what happened in the 49ers game. Stafford was pressured just three of 21 drops. And the Los Angeles runners averaged 1.5 yards before contact per, per attempt. Listen. They dominated this football game, and the game is won in the trenches. And that's where, I, you know, that's where at the end of the day it's about execution. And in fairness to Cliff, when you go three and out on four consecutive plays, I mean, everything they work on during the week, that his call sheet has to go out the door now. 
Now it's about survival. So it takes him off. And, you know, Kyler obviously has not played, and the team has not played well on prime time. And I think Cliff was saying, you know what, I think he's going to have a great game. He's, he's built for this moment. But I'll tell you, he was rattled, Craig. He, will, he looked uncomfortable. He was holding the ball too long. He looked like a rookie. He did. Kyler Murray looked like week one at State Farm Stadium against the Detroit Lions in 2019, in which nothing worked. It was a flashback to that first game in which head coach Cliff Kingsbury later acknowledged he was thinking, I'm going to get fired at halftime. It was that bad in that contest. Well, you and I were sitting in a press box. I think after the maybe the second second or third quarter, I said, I don't know if this offense is going to work. I, I had the same apprehension. Even Steve Kime, when he you know when he drove home that night, okay, is this going to work? And you know they get accused of air raid. They have air raid concepts. They 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 run eleven personnel. They run four wide. But Craig, you look at the first seven drives. Well, let's take a look at what happened or did not happen, and that goes back to your first key as far as balance on offense. And this team got away from the run, and I think got away from it a little bit too soon. And I think there was some panic on that Cardinal sideline. First possession, first down, run play, pass, pass, three and out. Second possession, first down, run play, pass, pass, three and out. Third possession, first down, run play. Murray sacked, and you get the illegal forward pass, three and out. Cardinals, before their fourth possession, they're trailing 14 to nothing, two-score deficit. But it's still 12 minutes to go in the first half. So I still think you can have somewhat of balance. Yet what happens? First down, Murray sacked, pass, pass. So that's three dropbacks by your starting quarterback. Fifth possession, first down, run play, and then the pick six. So now you're down 21 nothing, with 7.59 remaining in the second quarter. Three scores. Well, and Paul Calvisi during the broadcast mentioned it a couple of times. The week prior, San Francisco 49ers trailed 17 to nothing. That's three scores. Yet what did Kyle Shanahan do? Stuck with the ground game. Kept running the football. And Passion Wolfley were talking about, you don't need to abandon your offense. All right, so six. Let me, let me jump in Okay, there. go ahead. I don't think James Conner was 100%. I, you know what? I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'll say this. Chase and I, Edmonds and James Conner, how healthy were they? And does, this, does that need to be a part of this narrative on what we saw as far as a running game? Could they not run even if they wanted to? Well, that's where I thought Kyler Murray would come in. I thought he'd – the middle of the field. Yeah, but – I give Connor a ton of credit, man. I, I mean, he's been dealing with the rib injury. We know he's tended, uh, pounding this year. Um, you know, dragging five or six guys down the field. I mean, some of these third and one, fourth and two. No excuse, but I, I give him credit because he he was playing injured, and and I just wonder, nobody's a hundred percent, and and the, and the team got an extra day, um, not an extra week, an extra day. And he was on the practice field. I mean, he looked apart, but it's different when you got guys chasing you and trying to knock you down. But I, I just think that affected them, and that's where I thought Kyler Murray should have come in. Come in, and but I, I do think he was. I think both of those guys were playing hurt. But but again, if you're 80, percent um, if you're in week 10, hey, take the week off. When you get to this point, you have to play. If they were that hurt to where it was going to affect the game plan offensively, 
whether you're up or trailing, then I can make the argument that James Conner should not have even been active. And you rely a little bit more on Eno Benjamin. Jonathan Ward was inactive. Maybe he wasn't quite ready. Tavian Feaster, I get it, practice squad running back. But we've seen a practice squad running back run for over 100 yards on the Cardinals. Happened against the Detroit Lions. So it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility. You carry the ball twice in the first half, talking about James Conner, twice in the second half, four carries for 19 yards. Now, was he okay at the start of the game and then something happened during the game? Now, that's a different conversation we need to have. But it did seem like they were not prepared to have James Conner run the ball like they wanted him to. And then when you're trailing, it was probably an easy excuse to say, all right, well, we're just going to throw it and not worry. Now, to your point about Kyler Murray, two carries for six yards. I mean, where's that dynamic dual threat, Kyler Murray? And and we mentioned on sidelines, I mean, everyone was talking, and I was talking about being a dual threat. I think Steve Keim on 98.7 talked about him possibly using his legs more. Uh, what are you saving it for? I mean, if you don't win, the season's over. And he does a good job protecting his body. But, yeah, I'll take an 80% James Conner over, over Eno Benjamin. I'm sorry. It's just – but, again, we don't know if something happened during the game. But there was only a couple guys I can single out that I thought, you know, played hard last night. Or, in this case, um, showed up to where they, they, they play with some energy. You give James Conner credit for stepping up and saying, yeah, I want to play. No player – wants to miss a game, let alone a playoff game. And we heard that from Chase Edmonds during the week. He was going to play regardless. And he only had eight carries for 28 yards. I do think even with this team down 21 nothing, seven minutes into the second quarter, they could still run the football. Now maybe they were seeing something that they just couldn't run against that Rams defensive front, and it wasn't working. So we'll go back to Kyler Murray. Why wasn't there more designed runs for your quarterback? I think there was one on the first couple of possessions and then none again. So why wasn't he put in motion or spread the field out and let him kind of pick his spots? You drafted him for a reason because he does stuff that no other quarterback in the league can do, and that is throw the ball with great accuracy and run the football to where he is a nightmare to catch. I didn't see that on Monday night. No, and and then when you go three and out and you go up tempo, it puts a lot of pressure on your defense. Cuz they I mean, the defense it, it, again, something we saw in the second half of the season now. You can say they preferred Kyler Murray to be on the field because he wasn't playing well and he had two he had two interceptions within seven plays, but their idea was we're going to get a lead and we're going to we're going to run the football and we're going to put a spy on him and we're in while our offense is um has more total plays, third down conversions was much better, and then you look at time of possession, we're going to keep that little guy on the sidelines, on, and we're going to keep Kyler on the sidelines. Rams ran the ball 38 times for 140 yards. Again, it's not the average yards per carry. It's the number of rushing attempts. We talk about the Cardinals, that magic number of 39 and 0. I don't know what the number is for the Rams, but 38. If you're running the ball 38 times and your quarterback's only passing it 17 times, it's not a guarantee, but I feel pretty confident that nine times out of ten, that's a recipe for a win, and it was for the Rams on Super Wild Card Weekend. When you look at the stats, the 0 for 9, 
Kyler Murray's completion percentage in the first half or, or the game, what really sticks out the most? What stat? His completion percentage, he ended the regular season with the second-best completion percentage out of all quarterbacks, yet 19 of 34. And his throws, even early in the game, were off targets. A little bit behind, a little bit long. Now, was he off? But why was he off? Talking about Kyler Murray. Is it because uh, he's thinking back to week 14 and what the Rams did and that pressure up the middle from the edges? And all of a sudden, all it takes is one hit. And then all of a sudden, Kyler Murray has flashbacks. And he starts thinking. And what was the terminology Rob Fredrickson used on Cardinal Talk to where you're seeing the rush as opposed to feeling the rush, to where you get rid of the football before. Now all of a sudden you're paying more attention to the guys in the other colored uniform coming at you as opposed to trying to get the football out to your teammates. Yeah, I mean, th there were times he was skittish, and that's what happens. See, your peripheral vision allows you to look down the field, but if you take your eye off the field and then you're starting to look at the rush, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing ghosts because the guy you thought was open is no longer open. And that's where he, if he's feeling like, okay, we got to get in a rhythm. I go back to the Colt McCoy when he started the – where was the screen game? Quick quick screen game. That, that will slow any defense down, Craig. Well, the questions going in about the Rams' defense and minus Jordan Fuller, minus Taylor Rapp, and as an offense you have 137 passing yards? <sighs> Where was that? Where was the targets of Zach Ertz? That was a mismatch, in my opinion. I mean, he's he's been the most targeted guy since Hop went down. There's a, there's a chemistry between the two. He talked about Kyler being one of the best quarterbacks he's ever played with last week. Where was the targets to him, especially the middle of the field? Four targets, three catches for 21 yards. Zach Ertz was a non-factor. In fact, there were. Hardly any pass catchers that were a factor. I mean, Christian Kirk led the team with six catches for 51 yards, but your second and third best wide receivers and whatever pecking order you want to go with, A.J. Green, three targets, zero catches. Antoine Wesley, two targets, zero catches. You did welcome back Rondell Moore, but your top three, and I know DeAndre Hopkins is out, but I, I, I cannot use that as an excuse. It's part of the journey for this Cardinals team in 2021, but cannot be the reason that this team limped into the postseason. I refuse to buy that as a conversation. I might be in the minority in that, but that's my thinking. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Antoine Wesley, because I don't think you'd been able to count on Rondell Moore. So those are your top three wide receivers, and they had a total of six catches, all by Kirk. Yeah, and then you look at Isaiah Simmons and, and uh, Zavin Collins, which were the Cardinals' first-round picks in the last two years. They were out-snapped by Jordan Hicks and Tanner Vallejo. And Jordan Hicks, he had the lowest PFF uh, coverage grade on the Arizona Cardinals' defense. It's a great story. Um, he plays a ton, but, man. And they, and they were platooning. Simmons and Vallejo, and and I understand it, but you would think, you know, the unicorn, a guy can do a lot, four different things. Maybe, you know, maybe he's got to settle on one or two things, but that's that's what his uh, position flexibility is. But Vallejo's been here for a long time, and when they talk about lazy eyes, I mean, it, he may not be the most athletic player, but he's going to be in position sometimes to make plays where other guys are taking chances. Simmons didn't even start the ball game. 
it was Zayvon Collins and Jordan Hicks at inside linebacker, according to the official game book. And you wonder, and this is just me thinking out loud here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Simmons missed practice on Friday. We were told it was a family matter and he would be back. He did return Friday night. Was that practice on Saturday? But was his mind in the game? Where was he emotionally? I mean, I have no idea what was going on. But to your point, if he's not starting and all of a sudden he's getting platooned by a less talented as far as skill set, Tanner Vallejo, who might have the edge as far as football IQ in that moment than a Isaiah Simmons or Zayvon Collins, you can have the best talent in the world, but how do you play with that talent? Some guys with no talent or less talent have successful careers. They play better because they know how to be where they're supposed to be to make plays. So I don't know. Maybe there was something that we don't know about with respects to Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, and, and you, you know, just looking ahead, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but looking at some of these guys' contract, I, I don't know if Hicks is going to be around next year. But how can you afford not to bring him back? I understand. But you drafted two guys in the first round. I I'm very well aware of that we're going to get off to a sidetrack here. Okay, that we that's, went that's what I said. Which, which is fine, and I which is fine, and I'm I'm completely okay with that. But I mean, if you're the head coach, defensive coordinator, and players on the field, you want to win. It's not about developing guys. But I get, I I totally understand. You made a huge investment in the inside linebacker position in back-to-back drafts. Yet they're not ready, or they're not quite ready to be the starters, you'd have to bring Jordan Hicks back. We'll have plenty of time. I know. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, like, I just – you draft – the whole idea was to develop these guys and make sure they're going to be your two trees in the middle of your defense. And at some point, the light bulb has to go off for Zavin. I see the upside in, in Isaiah, but he needs to be more consistent, just like Kyler Murray needs to be more consistent. This offense needs to be more consistent. A lot of attention on the offense, but you mentioned it earlier in the show that the defense cannot be given a pass on how they performed Monday and how they performed the back half of the regular season because a lack of a pass rush as far as affecting opposing quarterbacks, the lack of the coverage ability in the secondary with Byron Murphy leading the charge and the loss of Robert Alford, how big of a story was that looking back in hindsight? But once again, six total uh, explosive plays. Four passing plays by Matthew Stafford of 20 or more yards. OBJ had an explosive pass play. And Sonny Michelle, the first play of the game, had that 35-yard run. A huge hole up the middle. And that's twice now we've seen that over the last month. Happened against the Colts. First play of the game, Jonathan Taylor, 43 yards. First play of the game against the Rams, 35 yards. I mean, you talk about it, you practice it all week long, and then how does that happen on the first play of the game? And, Bird Gang, that's not coaching. I'm sorry. You cannot tell me that Vance Joseph, Brenton Buckner, Charlie Bolin, Billy Davis, that 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 they didn't do their job, they didn't have their players ready because that, that means they're not doing any work during the week. So that – that's on the players. That's execution. And, and and I brought up two plays from the previous game. Borders, didn't get the call, touchdown. Kennard rushes upfield instead of staying in his lane. That's all he had to do was 
basically just laterally go over there and they would have, they would have tackled Penny. That's that's ten guys doing their job. One not led the two touchdowns against the Seahawks. And for whatever reason, as good as the defense played, and maybe it's playing with the lead. This is a, a defense that needs to be ahead in the game by a score, by two scores, so they can be a little bit more aggressive. And when all of a sudden they need to make a play or just make the routine play, they don't have the ability, at least right now, or they just are unable to come up with key stops. So I'll say this, though, in that second quarter, I mean, the Rams went three and out, three and out, three and out after the Matthew Stafford touchdown run. Now, there was a pick six in there, so that's why it was 21 nothing. But 14 nothing. the defense came up with three straight stops to end the first half. And I was encouraged. That was encouraging to me because now you get the offense back, but they couldn't move the ball. What was it, mid-third quarter is the first time they passed midfield? I believe that was the notes on ESPN in the third quarter on that 12-play, 75-yard scoring drive. That was the first time the Cardinals ran a play in Rams territory. And Aaron Donald, he had a half a sack, one tackle, and one quarterback hit. It was Robinson. Uh, and Von Miller, he had Von Miller had a sack, three tackle for losses, a quarterback hit. Um, Jalen Ramsey was kind of pedestrian. Leonard Floyd, but they, I, I didn't think Aaron Donald was the wrecking ball he was in the previous game. But he had help. He had Von Miller well, next to him a little bit, yeah. more effective than he was and in that, week fourteen. And, and Robinson, I mean, he was pushing the pile. We talk about you know getting up in the middle of the pile. Yeah, he was. I, um. You could say that Raheem Morris, I mean, he, he, he really came up with a great game plan against the Cardinals offense. I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I got to tip my cap to him, and Sean McVay was one step ahead of Vance Joseph last night. You brought up third down. The numbers for the Arizona Cardinals on third down, they did not convert a single third down. They were 0 of 9. The average yards to gain on third down, nearly 12, 11.7. And that's not winning on first down. That's not winning on second down as an offense. Flip it to what the Rams did on third down. Six of 13. All six of their conversions. Six of nine on third and four or less. That's defensively. Cardinals not winning on first down, second down to force third and long. So when you look at the Cardinals and, and the average was, so everything was more third and six and longer? Yes, they did not have anything lower, fewer than five yards to gain on any of their third downs. Yeah, that's not complimentary football. That's not uh, that's not how you um, move the ball down the field. A performance like Monday happens in September. First game, second game, maybe even early October. It does not happen in mid-January in the postseason. That's and we talk about playoff football being different. Plays get magnified. A performance like that on Monday night is going to be magnified tenfold because it's the only thing that we will focus on and remember going into this offseason. Oh, leaves a bad taste. Leaves a bad taste. Uh, just everything that transpired. And I mentioned it, you know earlier in the show. It, if the Cardinals would have lost thirty-one twenty-seven in the fourth quarter. I could live with that. They went toe to toe with a team that obviously is, is is has more experience at the at the head coach and quarterback position. There's no excuses though. This game should have been a lot closer. You can get beat 
walk off the field or walk across the field, shake your opponent's hand and say, you know what, you got me today. You were the better team today. And I'll see you next week. Now, obviously, there is no no next week in the postseason, but the Cardinals not only got beat, they got beat down, they got embarrassed, and they're going to have to eat this for a long time, especially those players that are coming back and are under contract for next season. And it's the players, it's the coaches, everyone has a hand in this. I cannot single out any one individual, any one aspect of an NFL team, offense, defense, and special teams that says, all right, this is where things went awry against the Rams. Everyone had a hand in that performance. Yeah, this is going to be tough to swallow just from a standpoint. Like I said, if you lose the game in the fourth quarter, whether it's a Matt Gay field goal, I can live with that. But the fact is four consecutive three and outs, Kyler Murray – two interceptions uh, within seven plays. Um, they teach you in Pop Warner, and I don't, I don't mean to disrespect him, but take the safety there. He did it in the Colts game. Well, he was still trying to I know, throw but, away that football against the Colts. Right, but at least it, it was a safety versus him trying to throw it. I mean, you can't – like I said, I told you, if you get a pick six in a playoff game, it gets magnified. Like, it's hard to overcome them considering their first seven or eight possessions they weren't able to move the football. Well, as we just talked about, plays like that get magnified. And then you're talking about trying to do too much. Do your job. Kyler Murray tried to do too much in that instance. Well, I think you know it was 21 nothing at half? Correct. And Kingsbury told Calvisi, we can't score 21 points on one drive. Got to look at the second half as 0-0. Yeah, that's what he said. And, that, and that's probably a good, even though when guys look at the scoreboard, but you got to chip away. 7-10, you know. 17, now all of a sudden you're putting pressure on the Rams. And and let's be frank here, the Rams called off the dogs late in the fourth quarter. Just the fact that probably didn't want to get anybody hurt. And I think just out of respect for Cliff and, and, and the relationship, and they got another game, so they're not trying to get style points. They had already won the game. But that game could have got out of reach even more. I mean, they could have scored 40 or 45 points last night. Well, even when it was 14 nothing and 21 nothing at the half, three scores, but it felt like six. I mean, it felt like the Cardinals were down 40 points. Yeah, at halftime, I'm like, okay, A, they didn't get the ball to open up the second half. So I'm thinking, all right, they're going to have to make a stop and then just try to get some momentum. And, and that, again, I'm with you. you. Again, I don't know what was going on with Connor. I got to believe he was in some pain. It just when you, when you have uh, ribs that probably are being shot up and all that stuff, but I give him credit for being out there. Okay. That get, try to get them off the field and then start to build something like like zero zero, and that's when you start chipping away, and it never happened. Cardinals unable to get the job done. They lose the Rams on Monday Night Football, thirty four to eleven. The season is over. We, however, here on Cardinals Covered Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Our season never ends. Year round coverage of the Arizona Cardinals including, I think, MJ, maybe later this week to tie a little bow on this week. But I am still maybe shock. Maybe that's maybe I'm, I'm in shock by what happened. Because it's one thing to, again, lose a game, get beat, but it's another thing to have that happen. Like I said starting the show, I was disappointed. Um, it was embarrassing. And then I was surprised that they didn't put up a better fight. That's what I was when I was driving home last. Time, I'm like, I thought they would 
go toe to toe with these guys. They knew what was at stake. That's all they had to, you know, take care of business, which they've done on the road. And then you got a chance to go play Tampa next week, and nobody would have talked about any of the regular season. Now the narrative is this team wasn't the same as they were in the first 12 games. And now the question becomes why? And once you figure that out, all right, what do you do to correct it to make sure it doesn't happen again in 2022? Yeah, I want to let everyone know, though, we really appreciate you listening to the show, and it's it's 12 months a year, I know. Uh, there's other sports going on, but we you can always get your fix here, and we really appreciate uh, people listening and uh, commenting, you know, on social media. So we can't thank you enough. I mean, honestly, Craig, if we peel the curtains back a little bit, it was a fun season. It's just the way it ended. I enjoyed the season. It was fun. I mean, this team was rolling. Um, you know. I didn't know if they were going to be a top seed, um, you know. But I, I got to say, you know, maybe over the last couple of weeks, you know, it's not the same. But I had I really enjoyed this season, just from a standpoint of where they came from, how explosive they were, and and really just the chemistry of this team, and and the leadership and physicality. But it's just like I got this uh, bad taste in my mouth at the end of the year. It leaves you wanting more. Yes, and. I'll piggyback off that in our next show. We'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.